You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, we made it halfway through the week. It's hump day. Matt, Lars, Justin, I hope everybody's doing well. Kind of have that uh, little mild heat wave that's going on as opposed to that crisp fall air. I don't mind, though. I mean, high 70s is just terrific. And again, I hope everybody's well. This is Big Noon Sports. It is presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate Haley very much. Call her for your mortgage needs. And we've got several stories that would lead. And certainly the World Series is set up. And you know I'm going to get into that later. But Lars said, you know, something just came across the AP wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old AP wire. <laughs> the teletype. Um, Love them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was just uh, posted on sportsillustrated.com uh, about 45 minutes ago. And it is a series of text messages uh, from Connor Stallions, who is at the center of this Michigan sign-stealing scandal uh, with another student from, or with a student from a Power Five school. And these text messages are from January and February of 2021. And um, what Stallions describes is um, deciphering opponents' signals off of TV footage. And that is not against NCAA rules. Um, and just remember, it was last week that, uh, that Stallions, who's now a suspended Michigan staffer, uh, he has become sort of this household name because he's, he is accused the, of orchestrating this elaborate scheme to place uh, unnamed associates of his in stadiums of Michigan's opponents to scout and in some case film opposing coaches' signals. And both of those acts are obviously very much against the rules. Um, and so these text messages uh, were supplied to Sports Illustrated. Uh, they were verified by Sports Illustrated. And uh, in, in them, again, he says that he stole the uh, messages off of, uh, the tel- or he sold the signals off of television. And he, he boasted about it. And he said that he had close relations with the uh, entire staff of the Wolverines. He said he envisioned one day leading Michigan football and being the head coach. And so to prepare for that, he was creating a hundred page long document he called the Michigan Manifesto. Um, And he claimed that he was incredibly close with uh, uh, current linebackers coach, Chris Partridge um, and uh, running backs coach, Jay Harbaugh who is the son of Jim Harbaugh. And uh, he wrote uh, pre-COVID stole opponent signals during the week watching TV copies, then flew to the game and stood next to uh, Josh Gaddis, who was then the Michigan offensive coordinator and told him what coverages pressure he was getting. And so he, that was just, you know, one of many text messages, Um, Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, or sorry, a Michigan spokesperson spokesperson said that 
after SI called them and asked for a comment, Michigan spokesperson said that due to the ongoing investigation, blah, 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 uh, we're, we're cooperating, but we can't comment at this time. And, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, whose credibility has really been in question here for throughout this whole thing, but he's denied knowledge of any plans. Uh, they tried to track down uh, Josh Gaddis, uh, who's now the offensive coordinator at Maryland. Uh, the university uh, declined to make him available for a, for a comment. And, um, you know, it's just more, <laughs> more fuel to the fire here. Um, and yeah, and, and, and now sort of the credibility of stallions is, is obviously coming in. He to sounds a question. little bit bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he and wants he, to be the head coach. Yeah, um, and he said so. He's now twenty eight years old, and in these text messages, he said that he was a small group of people. Uh, he said two of whom were at low level positions on different college football coaching staffs who are putting their heads together on a long-term plan to run the Michigan football program. And he claimed to have a Google document between 550 and 600 pages long that he managed daily containing a blueprint for the Wolverines future. He referred to the document as a movement more than a plan, dubbing it the Michigan Manifesto. And wow. he said, any idea you ever have, he wrote to uh, this this who is this person who was then a student at a Power Five school. Any idea you ever have, there's a place where it belongs in the document. It's super organized. And then Stallions continued to write. I think it's pretty rare to find the right type of people who can grasp a vision of the future and want to team up and run as blank. And we all got our own stuff going on, but we all got some pretty unique approaches. Basically, the way I see it, there's a future Ohio State head coach and staff out there somewhere preparing for it, whether they know it or not. And we have a group of a half dozen actively planning S blank 15 or years, 15 or so years out. And another dozen or two are about to get on board. So by the time it's ready to rock, we're all on the same page, and we quickly make Michigan the ultimate standard. Yeah, sounds <laughs> okay. to me like this guy was uh, Frank the Tank in college, and uh, he overfunneled himself. Well, you know, he he did. He graduated from the Naval Academy in, in 2017. He worked as a student assistant on the football team. Um, but on his LinkedIn page, it's weird that his time as a student assistant overlaps with his time when he says that he volunteered for Michigan. Um, and in the course of the, this text message exchange, he claimed that shortly after graduation, he obtained a decade's worth of high school national standardized test scores and GPAs for approximately 500 midshipman football players. Okay, and this is data that he should not have been allowed to possess. He claimed that he simply went to the Naval Academy's admissions office and name dropped the head coach's, uh, the Navy's head coach's name. And while he was there, um, the, the admissions office told him, hey, you gotta delete all his data the following day. 
and uh, and Stallion, he was he was coy in the text message about whether or not he made clear that he used the data to sort of inform or, uh, or to be the basis of his entire recruiting philosophy. So this would be a violation of the of the Privacy Act. Uh, he, he's just he's getting in deep here, and there have been so many videos on social media, Matt that clearly show him standing next to the offensive coordinator at Michigan and then standing next to the defensive coordinator of Michigan holding a card that has maybe a hundred different hand signals on it that he wow. clearly has gotten from his his research, his uh, reconnaissance mission, if you want to keep it in... <laughs> military, military terms. terms. <laughs> this is just, it is just utterly bizarre. And I, I, I apologize for being so long-winded here, but it, it it's really, uh, it, it, it is so crazy. It's almost like it's unbelievable. It's so crazy, but maybe it is believable. I don't wow. know. It's, it, it's absolutely bizarre. And um, it's going to hit the fan in Lansing. I have three major questions I want to ask you, or actually comments slash questions, when we get back. As you listen, the Big Noon Sports. Hang on. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon, lots of sunshine. The high today, 82. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 61. The weather stays warm and dry. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Big News Sports, ABC 3340 Sports Director, longtime sports caster in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, and other parts of the South as well, is with us, and he will join us. Actually, not with us. He will join us at the bottom of the hour. So, there you have it. Uh, Lars, my questions and observations are, are kind of short and um, candid in many ways, but first of all, how much of uh, team signals can you get watching a television game now i'm thinking during the regular broadcast not a whole lot but now you can um subscribe or specialize your view to where you can get maybe sidelines only um other than that watching the alabama tennessee game i don't think i could even come close to catching a sign much less stealing it and developing it to the point where it would actually help you in your offense or defense all right, that's that's an observation. Could could you watch a football game right now and get many signals called in watching TV? Uh, I couldn't, certainly not. Um, and even you know, coaches, teams exchange game film, and so uh, I I just can't imagine you'd be able to do that. Uh, let me put that to uh, Justin and, and and JD in in the studio. What what do you guys think? I mean, you see it more often due to due to things in the past, but more 
more play, more coaching staffs per se have had have people specifically to hold up like a black a black screen just to cover just to cover up signs. I mean, you you see it sometimes at Alabama. So you see it you see it everywhere. Just just to limit the amount of signs. But Michigan go, going out going to fi- going to film. Like most most signs you see are like Miami Heat things like you do, you don't know what they mean like you might see a Miami Heat logo a dog a Michigan maybe a Michigan M and then an Ohio it's State O and it means one, something yeah. different <laughs> yeah um, and you know Matt Rule Nebraska's head coach he was asked about it and he said. Look, every, and every coach in America is being asked about it. And Matt Rule basically said, everybody tries to steal signs. And he said, I got no problem with it. I do have a problem with somebody going in and videotaping uh, sign, videotaping the uh, opposing team's signs, right? In, because you can't do it in, well, you, couldn't, you can't do it in real time. And I think you would have to actually be the television copy wouldn't allow you to do it because the television is not going to be zeroed in on the sideline and even the coach's copy wouldn't do that either because it's not going to be zeroed in on the sideline you have to be directly across and so what you do if there's you know four uh, four different symbols or signs uh, or, or or hand signs, whichever one. These are either physical signs or hand signs. You videotape them, and then you catalog what they are, and then you you see what play is run, right? And then you go back and you you figure out when you see what the next play, the next time they run that same play, what signs are up. Or and then you, Lord, you're able you're to sounding suspiciously too familiar <laughs> with this process. You're able to well, you're you you'll, you'd be able to deduce eventually what sign is. Or let's say you have uh, three guys on the sideline and they're all doing different hand signals. You would eventually be able to deduce which one is is hot. Right, which one is uh, that everybody's looking at of the three or the four? And same thing with the signs. Which one is is hot? And uh, and then once you have that information, you put it on a card, and you are looking across the field, and you're uh, you're standing next to say the um, defensive coordinator, and you see what the signs are. And you go through your card, you find it, and you say, oh, this is a screen pass left. And in fact, on one of the plays uh, against, I think it was against Ohio State last year, uh, it, it was a screen pass to the left. And, uh, in, in you see uh, in, the, in the video that is going around online, that uh, that this guy Stallions is standing right next to the uh, Michigan defensive coordinator before the play, and they're talking, and he has his sheet, and sure enough, it's a screen pass to the left, and there's like three Ohio State defenders there, and they just, or sorry, three Michigan. It's Ohio State has the ball. 
Ohio State has the ball, and uh, Ohio State calls screen pass left, and the it, it's clear that Michigan knows it's coming because there's three guys on top of that on top of that dude. The cowboy was uh, had arrived. <laughs> yes, and I get like you know Deion Sanders was asked about it too, and he's like, hey. I'll send you the playbook, but that doesn't mean you're going to stop it. I'll send you everything. I'll send you That's what our call too. sheet is. And it, 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 it is true. It is true to a degree, but it certainly gives you a competitive advantage. And here's another thing that, it, that here is why it can even run a little deeper. Let's say that you're a coach who's on the hot seat and you go against Michigan and you're just and you're at Indiana and you just need to keep the score somewhat close to keep the wolves at bay. Michigan pounds you 65 to nothing because they know what plays you're running. You lose your job because they stole your signs. Does that mean you get you have a uh, can you pursue a legal Civil remedy? Action. Yes. Yep. Somebody damages your career, reputation. Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah, I, I can see it going. I, I just, I'm, I'm just telling you about that. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's just a lot of permutations to this entire ordeal, and it's an absolute mess. And I, I, I don't know what the NCA is going to do, but the more you look at it and the more you analyze it, I wouldn't be surprised if. Michigan is going to have to forfeit some games. I, I just, you, you know, and and the thing is, this is happening in real time because those they had seats. This kid, this this coach or this staffer, bought seats for um, games last week, right? Uh, I think it was the Ohio Ohio State game. He so he was scheduled to have hit have people scouting or most likely videotaping for him Ohio State's sideline. Crazy. And, yes. And so, it's, it's, and so it's happening. It, it's, it's, and we, we, we mentioned this yesterday. It, it, it's, it's, and this isn't even really an implication. This is just obvious that this stuff was happening up to last week. So... Well. I think um, I think one games are going to roll, and maybe a few heads along with the process is this investigation is going to get very very long and very very deep. Just two more comments. Any manifesto that uses the term super organized, <laughs> I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take real seriously. Okay. Doesn't well done. Doesn't that sound like? It's super. It's super organized. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here you are. As, as, a, as, a, as opposed to organized, right? Uh, the, the other is, um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm not paranoid or anything, but I would never put anything in a text message of significance. Go have a personal conversation. When people start having texts, do they not know that every text in the world can be recalled? Do yeah. they not know that they can find emails if you send them and try and delete them? They're still out there in cyberspace. So it's almost laughable now how many people get caught doing, whether it's illegal or immoral or, you know, just against the rules, um, 
they, they'll text it. Hey, did you get that play? Yes, we stopped that left screen pass. Way to go, coach. You know, uh, I mean, that, that's in that documentation that they were wrongdoing? Yeah. Anyway. Um, hey, let, don't, we're going to try and if, if, you're doing, if you're doing something illegal, don't, don't write it down. It. Don't write it down anywhere. <laughs> don't uh, email it. Don't text it. Uh, don't write a manifesto. <laughs> oh, no, a super manifesto. A super, yeah, a, a super organized manifesto of 600 pages of how you are going to not, you're not going to take over the world in 15 years, but you're going to take over Michigan football in 15 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. oh. <laughs> hey, uh, let's take Joseph real quick before we real go to quick. break because I want to give a lot of time to uh, Jeff Spiegel here. Joseph, welcome to Big Noon Sports. How are you? How y'all guys doing? Hey, Life's Joseph. pretty good here. I thank y'all for taking my call, by the way. You bet. Hey, uh, this situation with Caleb Williams, I've heard a lot of debate about where he should sit out the rest of the season in bowl game or he should, or should he play the bowl game in the rest of the season. I mean, my take on that really is, I mean, if you're part of a team, you need to finish the season with the team, but – I mean, I get it that it could be a business decision, too. I, mean, I do get that. But, I mean, what's y'all's take on that? And um, what's y'all's take on the Alabama-LSU betting line opening at four and a half? And um, y'all's concerned about Alabama winning or losing that game? Okay. Uh, all think, very legitimate questions. And, yeah, um, good questions. I want to address, uh, uh, I want to address the stuff with Caleb Williams. Does it not seem – and he's using NIL. Isn't he the one all over the Wendy's commercials? I yes. I mean, this guy's making millions. He's out on the West yes. Coast. He's going to be making millions anyway. And, and but he's, it, sometimes yeah. it, I feel like he's carting the horse here as far as his future. Do you, you understand what I mean? He's kind of getting over the top. He's over his skis. He's over his skis, yes. And, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on Caleb Williams. Um, one. We can table it. Because um, we got yeah. to Spiegel, and I didn't yeah. need to interrupt yeah. you. But, oh no, um, no, you, no! You're right. Uh, let's let's get into Caleb Williams. Uh, we can get a little bit with Jeff, but also maybe we can do a deeper dive at uh, at the top of the next hour. And also want to mention that uh, Cole Thompson is going to be joining us for one segment, one fifteen. Uh, to discuss uh, not just the, the, the it, Cole covers the Houston Texans and the NFL and he pays close attention to college football he's just a terrific sports writer sports journalist um, former student of mine who just turned 30 by the way Matt makes me feel incredibly old I've got kids 30 don't give me that <laughs> don't give me that hey let's get to break Spiegel is next on Big News Sports it's back this is the big noon sports network i said this monday that if we ever collected conversations during commercial breaks we'd have a new york times best-selling book but um Anyway, um, I'm, 
I got thrown off my game, to be honest we, with you. We would also uh, lose our jobs. So yes, yeah, That's why they uh, go on during the break, and it's not fair to listeners. Apologize, I won't do that to you again. But in the process, I'm not sure we ever – did we get uh, Speegs on board here? I believe he's here. Yes, we do. Yeah, there you he Hey, Jeff Spiegel, ABC 3340, is our special guest here on this Wednesday. Jeff, how are you? What have you been doing? Covering football? You know what? I'm Listen, I'm enjoying this weather. You know, this reminds me of when I was at good old Good Hope High School in Coleman County. And, you know, you would on a day like this, you would beg the teacher, beg the teacher, let's have class outside today. And they'd say, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, we're not. Well, in a weak moment, the teacher would give in. And yep. sure enough, you'd have class outside and the teacher would lose total control of the class. And, and that's the one and only time you had class outside the whole year was that. But, um, but this reminds me of, uh, of days like that. You know, I Jeff, I, uh, when I first uh, started at Alabama, I would take the class outside on days like this. But, but now it, it hurts too much to sit like Indian style for, for more than like 30 minutes. So <laughs> I, I can do, do 15 it. minutes on that. <laughs> and then the other part is if you get down there like that, Lars, getting up yeah, is even yeah, worse. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And going down, it's like my knees, it's a 21 gun salute of pops. <laughs> oh, <my> word. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, really funny stuff hey uh, that is. jeff i'll uh i'll just ask you the the general question we've been posing to everybody all week and what do you think about alabama particularly in the second half versus tennessee holy smokes it was uh it was a sight to behold for sure um obviously you know listen uh, the first half I, I don't think was alabama playing that badly i mean yeah they had trouble protecting you know jayla milrow what else is new you know, in, in the first half. But the other part of it was Joe Milton was just hot. I mean, he couldn't miss. Yeah. And then the touchdown catch that Squirrel White made, I mean, there aren't many NFL guys that can make that catch. So, you know, it's one of those things that the first half, the defense saved them. The defense saved them because you had the fumble there deep in your own territory, and they held the balls to a field goal on that. There was another time when they drove the length of the field, and, you know, Bama held them to a field goal on that. So it could have easily have been 28-7 to at the half. And three touchdowns is a lot more difficult to come back than, you know, 13. But um, it was uh, – but, but the second half was – I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, uh, just a complete game all the way around, offense, defense, and special teams. And, um, you know, I told someone at uh, church Sunday, I said – what, what's, what's this deal? What's this deal about wanting to play 60 minutes and, and two good halves? That's so overrated. I mean, just put one good half together. That's really all you need. Score 27 <laughs> points and you're good. Yeah, uh, clearly the best half of the season for Alabama. You know, I, I was struck. Uh, I, I was watching the game on television, or I was trying to as I was you know, corralling my three young kids. Uh, <laughs> but at, at halftime... Or right after, or right after the second uh, quarter ended, uh, Nick Saban was interviewed by the sideline reporter, and I just was shocked at the confidence he exuded. 
just saying, you know, we're still in this. Uh, we just got to, you know, play to our ability. We're going to be fine. He wasn't upset. He wasn't agitated in the least. And it was just like, it was just so different. You know, it was just, and there, there's so much about Nick Saban that feels different this year. And even when he was uh, on, on Monday at the quarterback club, again, I wasn't there. I'm not sure if you were, but uh, I, I heard the audio of, of his uh, interaction with reporters. And, you know, he was cracking jokes and being incredibly insightful and thorough in his answers. I, Jeff, I, I, I hate to say this. I don't know if I even have a question here, but, but have you have you noted the, the, the just how it, it, something feels uh, just different? I, I, I don't know. I'm sort of lacking words here to describe. Well, I think it is different, and some people will look at that and they'll go, "He's lost. He's lost his edge." I mean, you know, he's not as you know, he's not as angry. You know, he's not as uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, name name the adjective. You know, you could look at that, or you could look at it from this perspective. You could look at it from the perspective of this guy's got a pretty good handle on what his team is and who they who they are, who the players are, and what they're capable of. And so, you know, he's not going to be all gruff. You know, when he goes into the halftime locker room, because he feels like he can go in there and get a handle on this, and you know, let them know what they need to do in the second half and. And they'll be good. And so he did. He told them at halftime, you know, you got a choice. You can kind of let this go and and not, you know, step up and, you know, try to play better. Or, or you know, you might just get blown out of your own stadium, you know? I don't know if those were the exact words he used, but he did use the words, you've got a choice. And, um, and they came out and two plays, 75 yards. Mm-hmm. established that, you know what, we can run the football when we want to, and then we all know that Jalen Milrow can throw the deep ball as well as anyone in the country. Yeah. And bang, bang, the momentum switched just like that uh, in that game. And it was, um, and from then on, it was, I mean, you kind of wondered, you know, you weren't totally sure they were going to come all the way back. But you had a really good feeling that they would after that two-play, 75-yard drive. Yeah, I think they just came out in the second half a different team mentally. And I think that was the main adjustment they made at the half because they certainly poured them on. Poured it on the volunteers at Tennessee. All right, Jeff, I'm asking everybody we have on this question, and everybody's had the same response. Let's see if Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 is the same. The penalty called on Tennessee on the kickoff, the fair catch deal. Did you know that was a rule? Um, you know, refresh my memory on that. Okay, I'm okay, not okay. Sure okay. I, I, the totally Iowa forget. game. Uh, Iowa yeah. game. What? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I thought Alabama. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Matt. Matt, yeah. Matt my, my apologies, because there was a similar thing that happened in the Iowa game. Yeah, I uh, read about. Uh, OK, yes. Sorry. Yeah, some big 10. No, no, it's fine. fine. Um, the return man, I guess, if we use it to, at the bottom of your screen, caught the ball, returned it out to the 26. But the officials brought it back to the four because the other return man had waved the signal for the fair catch. Right. I didn't know that was a rule. Now I remember that. 
Well, I know when the return guy waves his hand, the guy who's going to catch the ball when he waves yeah. his hand, he can't return the ball. But I had, but I had no. Now I remember. Now I had no idea that that was the rule. But if the other guy waved his hand, then but I but I could see where that could be a rule because guys are running down the field and you know they're not looking up at the ball. They don't know where the ball's going. You know, and uh, I could see where that could get thrown off. You know, they could get thrown off by that and relax and and all that. So I understand why it's a rule. And um, so yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good rule, I think. Well, and you know, you just gave the perfect example for why it's a rule. You could deceive at least half the field by waving your arm in the air and letting the other guy. Exactly. Maybe that was you're Tennessee's running, you're intent. Running, yeah. yeah, you're running down the field 90 miles an hour, man, and you're not looking at where the ball is. I mean, uh, no. you're just, you're looking at you're looking at the guys who are, who are, who are down there. So, uh, yeah, I could see why that's uh, a legit rule. Jeff, through eight games this season, who would be your offensive MVP for Alabama and who would be your defensive wow. MVP? Well, I'll tell you, I'm gonna, for defensive MVP, I'm going to go with Deontay Lawson. And, uh, and, and here's why. Um, how many times this year have you seen him diffuse a situation on the field? Pull a guy away when when he's this close to getting in trouble, getting a flag, because, you know, he's jawing with another player. I've seen it happen at least three times. And um, that, to me, and the impact that he makes on the field and the plays that he makes on the field, he had a pretty big pass breakup, you know, yeah. in that Tennessee game. And, um, you know, to me, I mean, he's the MVP. I think he is the glue. You know, as much as you want to talk about Dallas Turner, I think – He's the glue of that defensive team, and I think, um, and I think the offensive MVP is. Uh, I mean, it's an easy choice, but I think it's got to be Milrow. I mean, it's got to be Milrow, and um, you know, um, you could you could go with Jermaine Burton, but I I don't trust Jermaine Burton at this point to be my MVP. You know, because I don't know. In in there's going to be a game this year. Where he gets his team in a lot of trouble, and uh, he gets he gets a penalty, he may get thrown out of a game, you know, for some reason, you know, kicking his legs out there on that on that you know touchdown catch. I, you know, I think the refs kind of missed that, and um, of course the refs missed the penalty on Tennessee as well. But uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that later. But uh, you know, it's just uh, probably Jalen Milrow would be my MVP because I think he's been. You know, I think he's been pretty steady leader for that offensive unit. Jeff Spiegel, thirty-three forty. You hanging through the break again with us? Absolutely. Good hey, deal, Matt. Yes, sir. You know, I just remembered. You know, we we're talking about Connor Stallions' Michigan manifesto. You know, who is another Michigan man who is into manifestos? The Unabomber. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't even know where to go with that, but just an observation. Yeah, manifesto, too. The I, Unabomber, I don't yes. The, yeah, the, the Unabomber had, yeah, yeah he had, he had manifesto. a manifesto. and the sunglasses and the hoodie, right? Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs>
I guess you got to conceal your identity. I don't know. <laughs> Spiegel, we are not going to follow up on that next break. I promise, okay? <laughs> You're listening to Big Noon Sports and many of our programming. Much of our programming is brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. We'll see her and all of y'all Friday at Industry. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon, lots of sunshine, the high today 82. Tonight mostly fair with the low at 61. The weather stays warm and dry tomorrow and Friday. Good supply of sunshine both days, highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Back. Big Noon Sports. Justin Lars, Matt, and our weekly guest now, Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Hey, where were you this past weekend, Jeff? Just curious. Well, Matt, first of all, I want to ask you this question. Um, sure. That walk-on's that walk-on's post-game show, you know, that's going to be on yeah. kind of late, November fourth. Are you going to be able to make that? Are you going to be able to stay awake? You know, uh, it's a great question. <laughs> but um, the fact of the matter is, the contract says what the contract says. <laughs> now, walk-ons, and you know, people need to hear this. Really, I'm glad you asked this question um, because we go on after the Alabama Crimson Tide, the, the Crimson Tide Sports Network goes down, goes dark. We pick it up. So the weekend of Talladega, we did our show from 1 to 3. And that was the weekend we kicked off at 8. So we'll probably be on from about noon to 2. But we don't keep walk-ons open. We can't do that. So we do it from the studio. Which, by the way, now that you brought it up, our special guest this weekend will be Jeff Spiegel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to do that to you. But, That's uh, awesome. It's man. You keep up. I'm glad. It, it makes me <laughs> makes me happy. All right. Now, uh, uh, where was I going here? Okay. Now yeah, I was uh, sure. I was in yeah, the studio. Yeah, I was in the studio. Jamie, uh, we're we're sending Jamie out to cover more games this year. That's something she really enjoys. And uh, so she went to the Bama Tennessee game, and uh, Johnny went to the uh, went to the Auburn Ole Miss game. Okay, yeah. Are you? I and uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Stay in the I'm studio. covering the Magic City Classic this weekend. Boom! Have you ever well, been to a Magic City Classic? I've worked probably ten of them in TV trucks. Um, it's unbelievable. If it's you've unbelievable. never been. Oh, you know, the best part of uh, the Magic City Classic is walking from your car to the to the stadium because you're going to have there are barbecue pits everywhere. There's food yeah. everywhere. And you yeah. will get full inhaling the smoke. But it and they're so generous, everybody's just happy, and fans are just going crazy. Here, have a rib, you know? Remember That's the what I was- 
yeah. chewing on a rib going into the press box. It's great stuff. Yes, and yeah. to, and to add on to that, to add on to that, the first Magic City Classic I ever covered, I, I did have that experience. And then as a media guy, you know, of course, I need to be there when the game kicks off. So this is when I was working for Channel 31 in Huntsville. So I go and I'm in the press box and I'm looking at the stands and there are a ton of empty seats. And I'm going, where is everybody? And then midway through the first quarter, dude, it started filling up. It started filling up. And here's the thing. If you go to the Magic City Classic, you're not that concerned about how much football you miss, but you better doggone be sure you're in your seat for the Battle of the Bands at halftime because that is the show. That's yeah, I, I was uh, Jay and I did the uh, our show out there uh, a few years ago. We were there on a Friday, and I brought uh, my son Lincoln with me. And after done with the show, we just kind of were walking around, and you know, it, it's it is the full gate. The, the tailgates are, are are fully going on on Friday afternoon. And I was just amazed, like just how generous everybody was. Just hey, try this, try this, try this. And <laughs> it was Lincoln's first exposure to barbecue, and uh, and now he just he absolutely loves it. And gosh, it was it was so much fun. I I, I love that event. Yeah, it Jeff, is. It's awesome. guys, so cool. You guys know, remember or seen the the honeybees that do their little roll and tumble at the half? The, the it's kind of like the dance team for. Uh, Alabama State. For the Hornets. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They yep. just roll and tumble, and God, you know that in itself is worth the price of admission. All right. Yeah, it's um, incredible. Hey, I wanted to ask you. Kirby Smart has now, uh, you know, chimed in on whether or not the 2021 Orange Bowl was, re- you know, recorded and scouted and used mm. against them by mm. Michigan. Uh, mm. This is a deep dive. Can you just give me your quick view on it? On the Michigan thing, uh, yeah, on on stealing signs, it's just uh, well, I, I don't, I, I think Harbaugh's done at the end of the year. I think there's just been too many embarrassing moments. I mean, in his coaching career, the only thing that can save him would be winning the national championship. That's the only thing that can save him. I mean, if Ohio State beats them and they don't make the playoff, I mean, he's done because he started off the year he had to have that silly rotation of assistant coaches, you know, being the head coach. And then, you know, he, he finally got to join him after he got out of jail. And then, and then all this, you know, it's just an embarrassment to the program. And, you know, he's, he's had too many of these moments. And, um, I, and someone said in the sports office, well, you know, have you ever thought about, he might just voluntarily, voluntarily leave and go to the NFL. Well, they may just push him out and tell him, we don't care where you go. You can go, you can go, you can go to Ohio State if you want to. Well, we don't want you here. I just, I just don't think. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it. I think this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Do you think there's any chance that uh, Michigan is going to have to forfeit games this year, or um, not be allowed to play in the Big Ten championship game, which then would eliminate them from national title contention? Well, the NCAA, these investigations don't have as much teeth as they used to. So, um, um, I don't know. I'm kind of, um, I mean, they, they, uh, I mean, if they're found guilty of this, they, they certainly deserve it. I don't know if they're going to get it. Um, but 
you know, certainly this is this is a pretty egregious thing, you know, to do. And uh, and again, you can always be devil's advocate. And you can go, well, other teams do it too. Well, I don't know how many other teams do it. You know, I, I, you can say that, but I don't know how many other teams do it. But the bottom line is, I mean, apparently they've gotten caught. So, you know, they need to pay a price, but I don't know if the NCAA is going to hold their feet to the fire like they used to back in the day. All right. I'm going to switch gears real quick on you as we roll out. Who you like sure. in the World Series? And by the way, if you predicted this, I'm going to buy you many glasses of wine and many steaks. <laughs> Who would have ever thought the Rangers and the Diamondbacks? It's great. Yeah. Well, you asked me who I like to, who I like in the World Series. Um, I like Philadelphia. I like Philadelphia to win the World Series, but apparently they're not going to be there. Thanks, Bryce Harper. I really appreciate that. Bryce Harper. <laughs> here's, the thing. here's the thing with Bryce Harper. He kills the Braves, right? And a lot of other Phillies killed the Braves, but he really, really killed the Braves. He killed them and buried them. And then he, then he lays an egg in the NLCS. In, in the in the, are you kidding me? I, what? What? And, and, so, and you're no. lay an egg. And, who's that? Who's that? The Braves. Who's that Philly player too? He had home run. He had like five home runs in a row against the Braves, and then he goes over twenty nine against Cast- the Diamondbacks. Yeah, Castellanos. Yeah, he he he, he, he Yeah, he didn't come through either. So to answer your question. Uh, I'm not going to root for the Diamondbacks. I, I'll probably root for the Rangers. I mean, you know, it's been a it's been a while for them. You yeah. know, uh, I think the Rangers are going to win it. And the Rangers have been there. I think this is their third time, but they've never won it. Um, yeah. And uh, either way, both these teams were underdog even at the end of the regular season. Um, oh sure, and the and it's been haven't fun. won it since. Yeah, the D-backs haven't won it since Randy Johnson and uh, Kurt Schilling, right? Yeah, and uh, who's the guy, Luis, that hit the little flare right back Luis up Gonzalez, the, the, Luis Gonzalez, the former South Alabama Jack. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, enjoy your week. What are y'all doing Friday and Saturday? And tell us where they can watch on ABC 3340. What's on your menu? Well, yeah, Friday we've got uh, Blitz Game Day at 630. And then 7, the game of the week is going to be here at Trustful and Chelsea. Uh, we're kind of getting into that stage where, you know, teams are trying to clinch spots in the playoffs and reaching titles and all that. So the Friday night list at 10-15 will be fun, too. And then Saturday, we'll have uh, the college football cover. We'll see if Auburn can pick that four-game losing streak Saturday. And you got the zone on Sunday night. Sunday night at 10-35 on ABC 33-40. I really appreciate you guys and hope you all have yep. a good week. You too. Thanks. What a nice guy. Damn good at his job, too. Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Who we got coming up next hour? We could probably just slot the entire week with your former students. Cole Thompson, a writer based in Houston who is uh, he covers the Texans. Uh, and we'll talk to him about uh, C.J. Stroud, who is uh, on his way to becoming the Rookie of the Year but also talk to Cole about all things Alabama, Michigan, and just uh, get his opinion on all sorts of different uh, topics. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. (laughs) 
WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL. Browns coach Kevin Stefanski announced P.J. Walker will start at quarterback this weekend after Cleveland just signed him to the 53-man roster. So Deshaun Watson is out. He did not practice today. NFL media reports the Titans are preparing Will Levis to start against the Falcons with Ryan Tannehill nursing an ankle injury. NFL media reports free agent defensive end Frank Clark is set to sign with the Seahawks pending a physical. Buccaneers coach Todd Bull said receiver Chris Godwin is good to go for tomorrow's game against the Bills. Bleacher Report says Raiders receiver Hunter Renfro and coach Josh McDaniels have a fractured relationship and both parties are motivated to work out a trade. And in the NBA, the James Harden saga continues. The Athletic reports the 76ers have asked him not to travel with the team for their season opener coming up Thursday night against the Bucks. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Got a second hour headed your way. Matt Cooper, Lars Anderson, Justin Jones. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. We got the Michigan story. It appears that uh, more and more evidence is out there that they were indeed filming, taping, videographing, um, whatever, and stealing signs. So we're going to be dealing with that for a while. World Series is set up. Diamondbacks and the Rangers. And then, as you just heard, in, in a story that just unnerves me a little bit, not just because I'm a 76ers fan, but in the NBA, James Harden wouldn't practice. Now, suddenly, they're about to start playing games, and he wants to get on the plane. The 76ers, Lars, they said, no, get off the plane. Or don't get off, whatever the case may be. But Yeah, uh, that's a relationship that is fractured beyond repair. Okay. Yep. Um, I do want to just... I, I, I want to keep with the World Series for a second, and, uh, and I got to talk about my friend Chris Russo, uh, the Mad Mad Dog, uh, who is a longtime radio host. I really think he and Mike Francesa uh, doing their show in New York. They, would, would you agree that they kind of pioneered sports talk radio? Well, yeah, probably. Um, because they were doing it long before, you know, we had local shows here in, um, in the state of Alabama, but, uh, they were, uh, Francesca ended up for a while doing, you know, a little analyst work on CBS. CBS. Yeah. And, uh, I still see Mad Dog appearing on, I guess it's ESPN. Yeah. And he's uh, great. I, I, I love Chris and, uh. Uh, he has his own show on, on Sirius XM, and, and now he's on uh, First Take, I think, uh, yeah, that's one, one, one or two times a week. But on, on Monday afternoon, he, uh, he was just emphasizing how much he didn't believe in the Diamondbacks. And he said that he would retire if they overcame their 3-2 to two deficit in the National League Championship Series against the Phillies. And after the Diamondbacks force a Game 7, uh, Mad Dog doubled down on Tuesday afternoon, saying, I stand by my promise. 
And after the Diamondbacks won game seven, what did the players do? They got in the locker room and jumping up and down with champagne uh, bottles in hand, they were chanting, mad dog, mad dog, mad dog. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, seemingly that the Diamondbacks had sent uh, Russo into retirement. Uh, and then after they won, uh, Mad Dog went on the Howard Stern show and admitted, you know what? I don't want to retire. <laughs> and, and, and Howard said that, that Mad Dog lost his mind. I'm a radio guy. So is Mad Dog. I know when you're on the air, sometimes you want to please people and make things fun and interesting. But he went over the line because he was trying to make things fun and interesting. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and this actually was not to be a, a, a bit or anything, but um, he, uh, you know, Mad Dog ended up motivating the Diamondbacks and, uh, and, and social media is absolutely just crushing him. But uh, uh, Mad Dog said that um, he's not gonna retire and because Stern said, hey, come on my show, I'll come into Manhattan, we'll put you in a bikini and you walk down the street with a sign that says, I'm a feminine product. <laughs> and he said, and you know what I'm talking about, starts with a D. And if yeah, you do, I, he said, if you do that, it will make everything say, okay, this is a stand-up guy. He took it, he couldn't retire, but he was humiliated. And, and Mad Dog agreed, he's not gonna retire, but he's going to wear a Diamond Max branded bikini and walk down a Manhattan city block holding a sign that says, I'm a liar and a dope. What do you think? Well, oh, I think it's one of the most brilliant PR stunts I've ever heard of. I mean, how often are you going to get a team yelling your name in the locker room when they've just advanced to the World Series? Uh, isn't it brilliant? It's beautiful. It's brilliant. And then you go on Stern, and with all due respect to Mad Dog, Stern probably has four times as many listeners yeah. as his show does in New York. So he wins, he wins, and he wins again, and the price he has to pay, it's a little embarrassing. But wearing a Diamondbacks bikini and walking down Madison Avenue, Holding a sign that, that says I'm a so dope bad. and a liar. Yeah. That's no, even and even that is gonna get but but you know what? Oh, yeah. Like I after the game, after uh, I saw the Diamondback players chanting Mad Dog, Mad Dog, Mad Dog, first thing I did this morning and I got up is I checked my Twitter and I searched for Mad Dog. And how many people across the country did that? Right, because I I wanted to see what his Ten reaction was going to be. Normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's and, and again, I I really like him. I and, and we have a little bit of a personal relationship. It's not like we're friends or anything, but um, he's just. Uh, I think he's terrific at what he does. He's very funny, um, and uh, it's just. I don't know. Have you ever done like? A shtick. I've lost a bet. And well, have you, have you ever like did done no. something oh. crazy like that? You know, like our, our buddy Tony Curry, right? He right, he did no. the uh, sit on top thing. of a billboard 
uh, right? Didn't for like a week or something. He lived up there. I think it was longer than that because Alabama wouldn't win a game. I think it was more <laughs> like two weeks. Uh, craziest thing I've done probably is uh, I went up on the billboard and, and sat with him. <laughs> oh, you did? Uh, what was it? What was it like up there? It's scary. You know how I am about heights. I don't even like thinking and talking about it right now. It, it makes me nauseous. Uh, but, you know, the billboards, they seem like they're pretty close to the ground. They're not. And the amount of space that you have to sit and walk on is just scary. You need all the balance of Mary Lou Retton. God, how, God bless. God oh, and it, oh, yes, and God bless her. She, she's out of the hospital. I mean, yeah. it, sound, it sounded really, really uh, horrible. And, well, it does and, when you can't breathe on your yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you sleep on a on like a a wooden slat that is about what eighteen inches wide? And yeah, you... uh, around the back they have more of a metal grating, which is wider, and actually you can probably put a he put a mattress back there and he laid down on it. Oh, okay. Still, I I would never sleep, not sitting that high off the ground, not me. All right, publicity stunts for one hundred. We'll pick it up at one thirty. And when we come back, we're going to talk some NFL on Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon, lots of sunshine, the high today 82. Tonight mostly fair with the low at 61. The weather stays warm and dry tomorrow and Friday. A good supply of sunshine both days, highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. And uh, we have talked about Michigan, the World Series, and have not yet touched on the NFL, Lars. All right. One of my favorite people in the world is Cole Thompson. Uh, who's a NFL and college football reporter uh, for Fan Nation. Cole, how are you doing, my friend? Lars, good to catch up with you. I uh, think it's going well. Uh, definitely we're in a good spot of the season where Halloween is right around the corner for college football, and that means where wins become losses and losses become upsets. So we're in a good spot there, and in the NFL, we got the same thing going on. All right, I, I got to ask you about Mad Dog, Chris Russo, because you do your own uh, uh, show called Just Saying It uh, at Sports Map Radio. Uh, and I know, I'm sure you're familiar with the story of uh, him saying he would retire if the Diamondbacks made it to the World Series. Now, you, to me, in a lot of ways, you're a, you're a young mad dog. You're a mad dog waiting to happen. What, uh, you what know did you? Me, man. What did you think? What did you think of, of how it's been handled? He needs to retire. Listen, I said at the start of the year that the Diamondbacks are going to be the surprise team. And I said, if I'm right, I should be able to get a promotion. My bosses are not giving me a promotion because if I was right on the Diamondbacks being the surprise team. So he needs to hold his end of the bargain. 
Chris Russo has been a phenomenal voice in sports talk radio. In fact, a lot of us are pioneers. He is the founding father of sports talk radio. The rants, the bits, the blunders, everything that you really want to see. But my God, dude, hold your end of the bargain. Don't be screaming on live air. Hold your word. You, you, you go on the first take every single day, and you talk about how journalists are not being truthful these days. You're not a journalist? Go ahead. Hold your word. Be strong. Because guess well, what? You're practicing libel if you're doing that otherwise. Yeah, Look at the yeah, yeah, boy words. You saw that he went on Stern, and Stern like gave him an, an out by saying, oh, yeah. "Hey, let's have you walk down a block in Manhattan wearing a bikini and uh, and holding a sign saying I'm a dope and a liar, and therefore you will if you, you do that you'll be absolved of all uh, of all sins." Honestly, at this point, I would much rather him see, see him do it on first take, to be completely real, because then you can't get out of it. Because only the people <laughs> in New York can see it. Two of the, like, like, however many people are actually paying attention to that show will watch it on national television, and then you have Dov Kleinman, because of somehow he exists as a human being, and he's not an AI technology guy. He'll <laughs> put it on freaking Twitter in five seconds. So everyone in the world will see it. Okay, that guy drives me insane, but that's a whole nother He's a issue. lovely person, isn't he, Lars? <laughs> Cole, we are like-minded. All right, Cole, uh, let's start with, um, with, with, the, with the Texans. You're there day in and day out. Tell us about C.J. Stroud and what you've seen from him, and, and is he on the path to being one of the next – you know, elite quarterbacks in the NFL? He could be. I, I think it's still really early, and we play with blinders on most of the time because of recency bias. But there's a lot of positivity when you talk about Stroud, the person and the character and the way that he presides himself when he's a practice. You know, we'll see them leave the practice field, and he'll still be out there for an extra 10 minutes talking to a wide receiver. Hey, you cut here on six steps. You need to be cutting on eight steps. Hey, my bad on making this throw. Let's run it back a second time. That way we don't mess up on game days. And it's carried over to him being actually one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL statistically. He's up till last week before the bye. He was number four in passing yards. He was number seven in passing touchdowns. He had I think if I'm not mistaken, the number eight or number nine passer rating in the league, he was averaging fourth most yards per game. There was two areas of weakness for him. Number one was third down conversions. He actually ranks 28th out of 32 eligible quarterbacks in the NFL in uh, third down completion. And number two was completion percentage. Actually, C.J. Stroud throws the football so much that we see the highlight numbers of 330 yards per game or 372 yards per game but he's completing about 55.4% of his passes. So that's an area where I think just time and repetition with wide receivers is going to be beneficial. It doesn't really help out when you only have one eligible receiver every single week in Nico Collins because Tank Dells missed some time. Uh, you didn't have Dalton Schultz at full capacity at one point during the season. You didn't have uh, Devin Singletary at full capacity. So it is hurtful and hindering his overall success. I like the kid. I think that there is a lot to really take into him. And what's really interesting is that we got to talk to him about a week ago after the big touchdown play against Atlanta. And he told us that that was a play that he had worked in practice and gotten the permission from his office coordinator, Bobby Slowick. If we see this type of coverage, 
go ahead and use the audible. We give you full control to make the uh, make the change at the line of scrimmage. And he did, and they got a touchdown out of it. So you see the trust factor really elevated to new heights with Bobby Slowick, the offense coordinator, and C.J. Stroud. So a lot of positivity when it comes to Houston. Cole, Brock Bowers from Lars Anderson to Tony Barnard is called the best college football player this year. Of course, he's injured. Where do you see him moving forward and how far into the first round? Is he going to be as good at the next level as he is at this current? I think that there is a role for Brock Bowers, kind of like there was a role for Kyle Pitts. And if you don't go into that exact persona, then that's going to hinder your production. But I do think that Brock Bowers is a much more complete tight end than Kyle Pitts ever was. Kyle Pitts had great size, good utilization of hands, premier route running to his advantage that allowed him to basically be that giant slot receiver working across the middle of the field for Florida and really a great security blanket for Kyle Trask. You get that with Brock Bowers to a T. You also get that elemental pickup speed of really when you're at like a second and seven and you get four yards and then you get that picked up to eight yards, 10 yards, and that speed continues to grow. That's a major asset to him. He is a better inline blocker of all the tight ends in the class right now from what I've studied. He probably is the second or third best blocker. So you might want to utilize him kind of like in a Dalton Schultz role, how the Texans are, where he's kind of crack blocking right up the middle and then working upfield as a receiving aspect. But there's no question in my mind that if there was a way to give the Bolitnikoff award to to a tight end, Brock Bowers would 100% be in the running. I do not believe he's the best college football player in, in the sport right now. I, I think that, that title belongs to Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State, personally. But I do think... Yeah that you look right now at the ability to win at all three stages of the field as a receiving aspect, his hands, his utilization and footwork, but also his inline blocking a little bit, at least in the run, 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 run zone, probably in the red zone. It's very hard to say that he's not a first round talent. I would take him top seven. I think that he'll probably be somewhere in the top 10. If the New York Jets are available, you got to get Aaron Rodgers another weapon, and I think that that'd be a really great fit for him in a Robert Sala's defense. I mean, in a, in a New York Jets offense. Cole, you are our uh, de facto draft expert on this show. I want to talk about Caleb Williams, the quarterback at USC, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Um, can you just kind of break him down? I, I, I don't understand how this narrative got started that Caleb Williams is surefire number one overall draft pick. Am, am I wrong on that? A little bit in terms of number one overall draft pick, but I, I'm going to say something that I, I say all the time. Whenever I do hits or podcasts or anything out there, I hate the term generational. I absolutely hate that term because of we've oversaturated it to where it is no longer a common theme. Where Every quarterback in the last 10 years, you've seen three generational passers. You've seen three generational running backs. Well, how can you be generational if it doesn't skip a generation? One guy can be generational. And it's a shame because of Marvin Harrison Jr. is a generational wide receiver. Brock Bowers is a generational tight end. But we can't use those words anymore because other people have done it for us, and now it doesn't mean anything. Hold on. You think Brock Bowers is better than Kyle Pitts? 100%. And I would have said that back when he was a freshman. 
there's not there's there's just so much I like more about Brock Bowers than Kyle Pitts. Okay. Wow. So anyway, continue on Caleb Williams. Is he going to be so, the, is he going to be the top overall pick? He's going to be the top overall pick if he doesn't self implode on himself. And those are some areas where you hear the comments from Emmanuel Ocho from uh, from Speak come out and say, "I would be very remiss if I didn't tell him to sit out for the rest of the year." Well, it's a bad look automatically because of what it shows is that you are all about I, not we, and the one beauty and the one clarity of college football that stands strong is that college football, even in an era of NIL, is about we. I mean, you see Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. Like, those are kids that didn't have to go to a rebuilding program. They chose to go there because of the we culture that was established at Jackson State. And they've been good for the culture building in Boulder. What you're saying with Kyle, uh, with Caleb Williams is, I don't care about culture. I care about money. I care about myself. I care about my identity. At this point, I'm going to do what's best for me. So that would probably hurt his overall persona for teams that need a true leader in the locker room and not somebody who can be the PC resistance of the offense. Um, I do think that there are some flaws to his game. I think, number one, he holds onto the football way too long, even when he's outside the pocket. He's waiting to see if something will unfold downfield. And the problem is you can do that in college because there aren't as many super hyperactive athletes, where in the NFL – you lose that point of attack at the line of scrimmage, there is no turnaround. There is no tomorrow. There is none of that. There is simply just, hey, you're on the ground. Hit the reset button. So I think that's a problem he has. I think the other thing is that when he gets under pressure and you see this time and time again, he does not play up to the standard. Justin Herbert has the same type of problem. where he's playing down and out of the count, he'll start to make a couple of mental mistakes that eventually lead to three and out. And that's really where the problem is for Caleb Williams. But from a talent standpoint, I think he is much more refined for now than Drake May, than Michael Penix Jr., than Spencer Rattler, than Bo Nix, than any of these quarterbacks. From a logistics standpoint, a production standpoint, he has the better numbers, but he also has the better upside. I don't know if he will ever be an elite quarterback at the NFL level. And we say this every single offseason, like, oh, next year's class is going to be better. I'm not so sure. But what I do think is, compared to what we know right now, based off of facts, it would be very hard to see Caleb Williams stock on number one. Hey, as always, Cole, we very much appreciate your time. Just give us your pick. You're going to keep on with the Diamondbacks as far as the World Series is concerned? Listen, I've been high on the Diamondbacks at this point. It'd be foolish for me to ride off that train. I'm stake bitten, and I'm going to let either the poison kill me or the venom strike strong. That's what I'm going to do. Well, and I hope you get your promotion out of it. Right. I hope so too. You know, it, it would be wonderful for me not to have to do late night work anymore. All right. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything concerning your social life that Lars can mess up for you today? Hmm. Let's see. What can Lars do? Um. um uh, your wife's hmm. pregnant. No. Have you, have, have you revealed that yet? No. Thank God. And, and by the way, she's not. So we're good on that one. Um, okay. I don't know yet. Actually, I'll, I'll text him. I'll figure it out. All right. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, uh, For those of you that are Thanks, totally Cole. in the dark on this, uh, about a, was it a year and a half ago, Lars kind of spoiled his marriage proposal. Yeah, I uh, asked on air, like, uh, how did the proposal go? And he hadn't proposed yet. He had yeah. told me uh, that he had gotten, or that he had told me that he was going to do it. 
And I had just assumed, never assume, apparently, I just assumed that he had done it and he hadn't. So I outed him. And uh, luckily, his uh, soon to be bride and now wife wasn't listening to the show. Right. Good. That's a good thing. Hey, Matt, on the other side. Yeah. Let's uh, listen to a little uh, Chris Russo and, uh, <laughs> and and eating some crow this morning. And, and again, we'll set it up on the other side. Yeah, and also I have uh, the most unfortunate high school statistic I think I've ever read. That's all coming up on Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. I hear a lot here. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports. I know Alabama doesn't play this weekend, much needed off week, but Hey, we're talking football Friday afternoon at the Friday place to be at Innisfree. So come by and see Lars, myself, and Laura. Laura, um, I'm going to uh, help, help, help um, Just lost Laura Lee Thompson. Laura Lee Thompson. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Bail me out, Mad Dog. (laughs) All right, here we go. We're going to listen to uh, a clip that kind of summarizes Chris Mad Dog Russo and his um, uh, his uh, declaration that he would retire if the Diamondbacks won the National League Championship Series. Here we go. If they win the next two days, they win the next two games and win this series in seven games. If they win, I will I will retire on the spot. This could be the last two hours and ten minutes that you hear my voice on these airwaves. Where is he? Where, 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 where's Mad Dog? I'm just going to say, wait, wait, where is that? He said he's going to retire. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Is that it for the legendary <laughs> radio career? I am a retired Mad Dog, That's Stevie. Right. Retired. But I have Uncle Stevie and Aunt Molly. Oh as long as I have you two, I'm in good shape. I can work. That's right. That's right. I can oh work. God. Well, you say you, you can work. You could be my intern today and, like, get me a You have a beautiful intern. Things like that. Wait, you dopey little meals and all yeah, that little... Yeah, yeah. You say that you have us and you can work, but you do know what this means. I'm going to have the Arizona Diamondbacks back on this one. Um, you can speak when spoken to. You will silence yourself when I say so on behalf of the Diamondbacks today. So anytime I want you to zip it, the words I'm going to use is Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, even though I did pick the Phillies to win myself. Yes. This show is yeah. going to be dedicated to the Diamondbacks shutting you up since you're yeah. threat to oh, retire. So yeah. you can speak, so you can yeah. speak, but you know what you will be doing? You will be running errands throughout yeah, the show. Exactly. Today. So when I so want that's some hot chocolate, punishment? That's yeah. Oh, yeah. You when might I want some hot chocolate, you're going to get some hot chocolate. You're 100%. If I, I got some food that I'm going to have at my desk, I'm going to want you to go to my Hopefully desk and get it. Hopefully it's pancakes. I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. I have None decided. of these freaking You're going to be running around. And, you, and you're going to, to be, be silent okay. when we say so. I just want to point out, guys, in that last segment, 
Molly Karam is having Mad Dog shine and clean her glasses, and he's handing it over to her as uh, as he's getting grilled by Stephen A. I gotta say uh, that that was just hilarious because because uh, uh, Mad Dog does uh, like I said earlier, you know, a, a few days a week he's on first take, and you know, say what you will about Stephen A. But he can be very funny sometimes, and he absolutely was just crucifying Russo. And 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 again, Matt, who's the big winner here? Russo. Yep. Their networks, their stations, ESPN, and the Diamondbacks. That's the biggest winner. Yeah, and as we we're saying in break, have you ever heard of players? After they had won a, a championship or a, a division championship or a, a, a conference championship, get in the locker room or in, in, with champagne bottles, jump up and down and yell the name of a media member. No. I mean, how much uh, value is that to Chris Mad Dog Russo? Oh. I tell you what I'd be doing if I were him. I'd be thinking about some renegotiating. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's paid for those appearances. And then certainly he's paid handsomely, I would imagine, for his own podcast. But, you know, monetarily, he just sliced off another big piece of the pie for himself. And everybody's helping him do it. From the people on first take that we just heard, um, all the way down... Good grief uh, to you and I, and Justin. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> but I, but I, Stern, I just I just think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yep. It is. And Howard Stern certainly. I mean, he's helping him out. So they're fellow New York radio personalities. Justin, you know, they, they, they Justin, they're only on Sirius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're almost yeah. They're thick as thieves there. But but Justin, what what is your uh, take on all of this? I think my takeaway after this kind of fiasco with playoff baseball is that these athletes, the best athletes, uh, I mean, we're talking baseball here, but for any sport, are masters at taking things and using it to their advantage in motivating themselves and affecting their play. And the reason I say that is we saw this with the Diamondbacks and, and Mad Dog Russo, but then a week before, we saw Bryce Harper, and I'm sorry I have to bring this up, Matt. I'm sorry I have to bring this up. As but long we saw you're bash him. I don't care. No, but we saw Bryce Harper beat the Braves using motivation from an offhanded comment in the locker room. Something seemingly By so the small. Shortstop. Yeah. Um, yeah, and these athletes are able to turn that into their own good and and go out there and play amazing. Yeah, and it's really incredible how, and that sort of is the larger story here, is that uh, athletes using slights, whether real or perceived, as absolute motivation. And and, and Matt, I mean, do you believe in this, that that, uh, it it really uh, inspires you to play better somehow? I mean, look at uh, the, the Brave series with the Phillies. When once Bryce Harper hears that uh, the Atlanta shortstop was making fun of him because uh, he got doubled up on that last play in game, uh, whatever it was, uh, game four, two. two, 
What does Bryce Harper do for the rest of the series? Kills the Braves. Yes. I mean, so is there something to this? Yeah, there. Are, I, I think there is, and I, I think it's applicable to other sports as well. But in my opinion, here's here's what kind of happened. I mean, first of all, you are motivated and dialed in every game of the regular season. You amp it up a little bit for the playoffs. I think any sport would agree to that. But then when something happens, in the case of Bryce Harper, that really sets you off, you really can get even tighter tunnel vision. And that's what uh, happened with Bryce. And that's what happens with a lot of these guys. You know, they're some of the most um, um, unpredictable heroes of, um, of postseason play. You remember Buddy Biancolana? I love Buddy Biancolana. Five foot one shortstop yeah. for the Kansas City Royals. But he's, he's not in the Hall of Fame. But he had an unbelievable series. Mark Lemke, the Braves' second baseman, back in the 90s, postseason play. I totally believe there are ways an athlete can get super organized in their focus. I think I, 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 I there's a there's a clip I want to play uh, coming out on this very very subject that uh, if I can find it really quick about right. what Tom Brady recently said. I want to uh, get into the woes of the Huffman Vikings here, too. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Coming up next on the Stingray Show. Hey, SEC fans, this is Heath Hopkins from the Stingray Show. Very special guest on Wednesday night. None other than Derek Mason. That's right, the SEC Network and ESPN color analyst, former Vanderbilt head coach, also had defensive coordinator stops at Oklahoma State, Auburn, and Stanford. He's going to be joining us to tell us all kinds of great stories. You don't want to miss it. Only here on the Stingray Show, Todd 100.9. Tune into the Stingray Show Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon, lots of sunshine. The high today, 82. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 61. The weather stays warm and dry. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 81 and 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. What a woeful season they're having. As uh, many of you listening to this show know, Vikings have a longstanding high school tradition of playing pretty darn good football. It's where Andre Smith came from, Philip Doyle, Alabama superstars. This year is not the case. And every time I look at their schedule and the scores, man, my heart sinks a little bit. They were defeated by minor 40 to nothing, Sparkman 65 to nothing, Centerpoint 58 to nothing, Oxford 52 to nothing, Shades Valley 44 to nothing, Hewitt Trussell 62 to nothing, Pinson Valley 61 to nothing, Clay Chalkville 72 to nothing, and Pell City 68 to nothing. And I think you can, you can hear I said nothing nine times. 
Lars, Justin, this team has not scored all season. Wow. I just can't. Um, and the closest game was 40 to nothing. I'm not piling on them because I know that they're trying to straighten things out and they're certainly not trying to lose, certainly not trying to not score. Pardon my, my grammar there. But, hey, they got Parker left, and this is not anti-Parker. It's pro-Huffman. At least score. I'm not even going to do the math on what it is, except one side I can tell you it's zero. It's tough. Well, you know what? There's a... Uh... There's a lot of lessons to be learned uh, if you are a coach on that team and especially if you're a player on that team. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Even though you are clearly physically outmatched, uh, keep grinding. I'm telling you, there, there is just a, 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 lot of, uh, a lot of positive things that can actually come out of a situation like this. And, and I, I've written about it before. I've talked to you. Like, I... I did a long story for Bleacher Report about a uh, team in Kansas, I think it was uh, a high school team that lost uh, like 106 to nothing. And their their defensive, uh, their, their nose guard, he, he was 5'6", 145 pounds, typically going against a center who weighed twice as much as him. You know, <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't a fair fight. But hey, I mean, the kids kept coming to practice. They worked hard, and they didn't give up. And I just I found that incredibly admirable, Matt. True, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to learning how to be a winner, and there's a lot to learn how to be a loser. Um, and I, you know, at first. Long, long, long time ago, I didn't really think this was true because uh, I just, you know, you love to win when you're a kid. But it really is a lot of of truth in the fact that uh, losing, uh, particularly to certain in certain games and certain conditions, is much more impactful in your life and how you handle it than winning is. Winning's easy, man. Well, speaking of speaking of winning easy, I want to play a clip about. What motivated Tom Brady? And this is the rawest, realest words you're ever going to hear from Tom Brady. I didn't have any friends on the other teams. I didn't, you know, and I think it's a little different day and age. Yeah, I didn't. I was ex-teammates that left. Well, yeah, to a degree, but I mean, I was, my friends were the guys that were in the battle with me. So it's very different in today's age, which I actually think is a little, uh, you've got to create a lot of different emotion to, to, to heighten your sense of awareness and focus. Like, for me, anger was good. Anger was good because it was motivating. The more I could create an enemy, the more I wanted to go out and kill those guys. Now, I knew I wasn't going to kill them physically, but man, if I could just... What did they say? You know, and what did they look like? Did they disrespect me at all? You know, and did that... So say something like those are little 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 things that can get me right in the emotional frame of mind that when i ran on the field and i said let's go 
And Tom said that uh, about uh, it was in late September at a at an event. And if you can see the camera, Matt, he if you see the film of it, the it, he is just like enraged, right? He's clenching his jaw and his fists are 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 clenched as well. And he's just it's like he's back there on the field that he wants to kill you. And again, he, he modifies that by saying, hey, I, you know, not literally, but in an athletic sense. And I thought that was a really rare window into what we were just talking about, the feeling that athletes use to uh, uh, the, the feeling of being disrespected that gives them the motivational fuel to drive them. And I think Tom Brady just did a great job of breaking that down. And when Tom was a player, you never would have heard him be so raw and honest. Well, it was uh, well stated and it fired you up. I could have done without the, the soundtrack from Halloween 3 behind what he was speaking. Is I the only one that heard that? Uh, no, in, 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 we just kind of did this on the fly, so my apologies. It's been, no, it's my no. Bad, I just wondered if they did that on the show for some kind of effect because it no, was, it was a, it was it was a it was a TikTok thing on TikTok. Oh, so, so somebody yeah. else had added yeah. the music. Yeah, um, yeah. Hey, let's go to let's go to uh, Robbie real quick. Our, our friend Robbie Glenn. How you doing, Robbie? Hey, what's going on, Lord? How you doing, Matt? Robbie. Hey. Hey, how y'all doing? I just yeah. want to call and say thank y'all again for uh, coming in last week to my mom's funeral. That was that was great of y'all, and it was good seeing y'all there. I, you know, I hate was at that setting, but it was nice seeing a family like that coming in. Surprise. Well, we would, Robbie. Um, yeah, Matt and I, we we absolutely um, we wanted to honor your mother and. And more importantly, uh, support you. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to be flippant about this, but it was such a beautiful service because you just, uh, everybody was just speaking from the heart and uh, you allowed anybody who wanted to come up and, and, and talk and just uh, express what your mother meant and uh, it was extremely powerful, and uh, and you did a, a wonderful job of uh, of um, you know uh, sort of being the, the the master of ceremonies there, so to speak. But also, you spoke so eloquently about the impact your mom uh, had on you, and and when you look back on on her life. Is is there is there one or two things that that stick out that, that that she did for you that molded you into the man you are today? Uh there's so many things. I don't, you know, I know we're this is a sports show too. I'm not trying to get into it, but mom, mom taught me the worth ethic. I think it, that made me successful in sports and in life, and then sports turned around and made me the way I am today. So it all came from her. Um, always. She always had my back no matter what it was and you know so i always trying to have my friends back my kids back my wife back you know even when sometimes it's tough and i try to look back on that that i gotta support them and 
and uh, she she was always there. Um, no matter when it got tough, you know, sports does that too. And uh, I deal with a lot of tough stuff. My my wife and I do with Striker and and things. And there's probably stuff I couldn't get through if it wasn't for stuff that mom put in me and sports did of of how to balance and how to stay on a um, just a, a schedule. And you know, that's just what she taught me and how to be tough about things and just do it. And uh, she was always there. And uh, like a lot of moms are, you know, you can't, moms are moms, man. They, they're there for you no matter what. And, and I was close to my mom like a lot of people are. And I, I hate she's gone because I, I sit there and think about it every day. I'd be, you know, talking to her right now. What do I need to do? Uh, or telling her about Stryker. So, again, you know, it was tough. But uh, she, she's in a better place. She's not hurting anymore. And I'm very thankful for that. As are we. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to come by on Friday. I hope you can. We got to talk some World Series, okay? Uh, improbable yeah, matchup, we'll. but I love it. We'll we'll do that later this uh, week, okay, Robbie? Sounds good. I'll try to get down there. All right. Thanks. God bless. Love you, Robbie. Um, I don't know if this is good news, bad news, but it is news. There is a speaker of the house, Lars. Breaking news from D.C. Mike Johnson from Louisiana will replace Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And that's about as politically deep as you'll hear on this show. There you go. Hey, uh, Lars, have a great afternoon. And uh, what do you say we'll meet up again in 22 hours? Let's do it. All right. Have a great day. And as always, we don't thank you enough. Just Register today for the